0: What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Good people. You are tuned into the African American Folklorist by way of Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. Uh, This is a very touching program today because I have a, a legendary guest that I'm honored to be sitting here with. I just want to read a couple of things based on what we're going to be discussing because he has a new project out, an album and a book. Um, For over 50 years, Freeman Vines has transformed materials culled from a forgotten landscape in his relentless pursuit of building a guitar capable of producing a singular tone that has haunted his dreams. Vine's work illuminates the hidden history of Black life in the rural South and racial violence that remain today. Let's start right there, sir. Because there's a lot to unpack right there. The first thing is the fact that how you're making these instruments or actually not just how but what is, is, is inspiring you or, or, or triggering you to make these instruments let's start there
1: uh the sound that I heard uh, years ago it, it was a strange it's like uh it's hard to explain to anybody any way experience but it was not just a sound it was a feeling too kind of like when you're holding a tuning fork but uh if I could ever hear that sound again, if that sound could ever be reproduced, you know, uh, what I'm thinking now, a man would be happy just listening at it. Uh, it, would, uh, it might affect him so bad he'd listen too much and it would might kill him cause it feels so good and that sound feels so good. And uh, I ain't never heard it before and never heard it again. Not nothing that will even mimic or duplicated, not name it, and I tried tuning for stethoscope, tone chambers in guitars, different types of wood. I spent a fortune in wood. And uh, it just ain't there no
0: more. I mean, uh,
1: I don't know what it was. I don't know where I had a stroke. I, it's hard to explain.
0: Do you remember when you f- heard this uh, sound, this tone, do you remember how long ago it was?
1: It had to been in the late 70s or 80s because I went through a little stage there, you know, running around trying to do this and that right there. Something ain't important. But uh, it was somewhere between the early, the early 80s and the late 70s. It's been quite a while. But I was, uh, I was looking at TV one day and a man was interviewing uh, some people that had uh, experienced not the same sound, but they, they, the way they explained it, it was the same feeling and sound that I experienced. Mm. It ain't just something happened to one man, it happened to other people too. Nobody just ain't caught on to it and know who they is. but they was on television and Now I know right then that they had experienced what I did because uh, it's something you can't make up because it's a feeling. That's and right. It, most hey, the, extraordinary musical feeling you ever I know you said blue, man. It's the most extraordinary musical feeling you ever had in your life. Like when you strike the right chord in a shot high, playing shot high blue, you'll never be able to duplicate the chord in the most chord. You don't feel that same way about it.
0: No, that's right. I definitely know that feeling. Now, there's, there's another component. I mean, this there's a folkloric and ethno- ethnographic component as well. But before we get to that, Your work is 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 stated by this Guardian um 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 um, statement from on on your press release that your work illuminates the hidden history of Black life in the rural South and racial violence that remain to this day. That's a that's some strong and powerful work. You want to get into that and how that relates to this particular project. Which hold on, actually, I didn't even. properly explain give the name of the project now did i nah. it's called the 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 book and the album is called hanging tree guitars which is very relevant and important it's relevant to right now but it's also important for the audience to know the name of the project so they can understand the context that we're discussing hanging tree guitars now with that being said, please explain the racial component along with uh, the hidden history of black life in the rural South. <laughs> well,
1: when I got uh, over that green kind of where I grew up, at was a bad, bad place. And uh, at the time, that when I was real young, you know, back in the uh, late 40s and early 50s, a man didn't hardly come out in the neighborhood. He only knew the. Uh, the store he went to to do what they call, well, not the man. I'm talking uh, from the view of a child. The store that, that folks went to to uh, do what they call trading, they give you a little piece of, a, a little thing like a piece of cardboard by that wide and by like that. Then they clip it out. And then no money. On this road we lived on, it was a plant, see my plantation. The real plantation was out there on the highway. We were on that highway, then dirt road. But uh, there were the families that lived down that road. One car was in the neighborhood, a man named Nick Dix. He wouldn't let you ride on it car. the car won't much to the car. But uh, that was a bad place. And when I come over here and started messing around, buying wood here and there, still experimenting with the sound. The man sold me the wood, he told me. And I read, I don't know where he knows he will die of white car. He told me, he said, you might not want that wood there. I said, why? He, was, he wasn't 91, he died in 91. He said, uh, they hung a man on that tree. Mm. I didn't even believe it. He had the wood and laid it in the bone. Here come Tim trolling around. What you gonna do with that wood there? I know there was something strange about that wood, but I hadn't figured it out. Uh, so I'm going make some guitars sooner or later. So then I got to thinking about it and made a few. And I know messing with that, with that there was something supernatural about it, but I kept on doing it because at that time I was taking a sip. And uh messed around there, and he came back with uh all the papers, the this and that right there that verified what the man had said about the tree. Well, not what the man said about the tree, about the hanging. Mm. And years and years went by. Uh, Tim found out that everything that was uh about that tree was true because he went and he found a woman whose uh, granddaddy was in that stuff and uh, she told him a whole lot of stuff which I told him I didn't want to hear it. I said, I want to hear it because I got to sit around here and see if some sneaky pig around here. Mm-hmm. So uh, he kept digging and digging and digging and he came up with names and I said, Tim, I, I don't want to hear no more, man. So uh, <laughs> this morning, this same morning, I went out there, and the guy walked up to me. He said, you that cat where he wrote that book? I said, yeah. He said, I know that guy where you are. You wrote that book about? In that hanging tree? I said, no. He said, yeah, I do. He said, I had a brother named William Earl. He had one named George. He named several people that had scattered around. But see, the family had to disperse on kind of what had happened right here. They had to leave, I mean, on the land. They had no choice. Mm. And uh, he said, Know what? I said, What? He said, My wife and their cousin, too. I said, You serious? He said, You wouldn't never know because she used my last name. And I said, Dang, that tree has brought on a lot of stuff in it. And I don't know what it's doing, but it's doing something to me mm. to know that the man told the truth. How I many people tell you the truth? Yeah. And he, uh, told the tr- he sure told the truth
0: about it. So now, just for clarification, when you say Tim, are you talking about Tim Duffy? Tim Duffy. Of uh, Music Maker Relief.
1: Music Maker Relief. He spent a lot of time on the road running here and there. and Tell me he ain't hung out with some clutches to find out uh, the specific stuff, but I don't know that enough.
0: Cl- as in Ku Klux Klan?
1: Right. Wow. So he <laughs> Now that this is street talk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This ain't nothing he said, but the homeboys way called themselves in on it, all they doing is talking to other people. You know you can tell a whole lot of lies talking to homeboys in the project, especially if you got a lucid to give them.
0: <laughs> that's another folklore right there that we can get into another time. So, what it sounds like you're saying for the audience is that this this wood you got from this tree was a tree that was historic for for the lynching of black folk, and and as you're you're, you're making these guitars, you're finding out information about the truth of or or, or the merit the uh, validity of this and it turns out to be true so now is, is I want to ask you the are the tones singing to the spirit are, are you feeling the the ancestors are uh,
1: oh, strange you would ask that these some that were leading me on they keep that on talking to folks about it you know that I trust well I trust you uh, folks, I kind of leave this alone, mm-hmm. but uh, there's something about that wood that's us. Uh, I don't know if it was supernatural, I have no idea what it was. But when uh, I completed some stuff, and these some these some figures in that wood that I don't know what put it there. Mm. It wasn't my whittling and carving, it was just they all uh, shaping it like an instrument. And in which sometimes the saw even, man, the saw acting erratic. I couldn't even make it. Do what I wanted to do. Mm. And then when it get through with it and I throw it aside, off, here we go again. Tim, he come by he said, "Oh, that one right there. I said, that's a funny looking one dad, and everything. I wouldn't even know that it had uh, produced the shape of an instrument until I take it up and look at it. I said, Show we scraping it off and stuff, man, you'd be surprised at what you discovered. Well, we know that the tree was disfigured from our. Uh, probably shooting and hitting with hammers and stuff, but it all led up to something.
0: Mm. So h- how many guitars were you able to make from that one particular tree?
1: I have no idea, because when you come to load them up, man, I was so ready for them to go away from that, because, you know, I used to practice black magic, and I know that there's some, there's another world that's parallel to this one, Cause I mess around with Yvonne and David Frost when they're in a trance, and uh, I don't know how I know it, but when I look back, there was a a silver thread. It looked like silver, but what it was, it, it looked like some light or something other that had me hooked up to something other back on the other side. Mm. So in, in this state, I know that if I break that thread, I won't get back. So I got scared and come back and everything, you know. David and his wife told him, said, we had trouble getting you out in the tramp, man. said, so, we don't think we want you to be in the magic surf no more. Mm. And, uh, and this is what led me, led me to know that that supernatural stuff, is something to it. it. It's not a joke. It's no, not it's joke. not. You know what I done then? I go to an old man and uh, I asked him some questions. I said, look, I said, you believe in a uh, Black magic, voodoo, doing stuff. He said, No, nah. he said, but I believe in something that can be done that we can't explain how it be done. He said, Let me give you two examples, and then I don't hear no more about it. He said, people used to hemorrhage real black bad on their nose, busted blood vessels, bust stuff. So they will go get the old woman in the neighborhood to uh, do what it calls stopping the blue. He said there have been incidents where people had burns, where now they take them up to the hospital and they die from that the folk are talking to fire. And he said, I'm going to leave that alone. So don't ask me nothing else about it. <laughs> I think the old man is 90 years old now.
0: So l- let me, I have to ask you this. Th- these experiences with uh, black magic, voodoo, and this gentleman, are these uh, black folk or white folk?
1: Now, this young surprise. David and Yvonne Frost were white. But uh, Del Zora Pettiford, Diana, too. Uh, uh, Belle Hayden, she was black. Harry Peterson was black, and uh, Ross Putin, he was white, and uh, I can't think of the woman named yonder Monroe up there by Federal, uh, I believe she was white. We, we called her one on the telephone, I don't know where. I can't think of her name. But, uh, and Dr. Buzzard, he was black. And then there was uh, Papa John or Papa Joe or somebody, he was a Jamaican, or Haitian, a, voodoo person, and uh, he was black. But these two, these, these people had a bad reputation of uh, David Nebel and Frost, or uh, they practiced the type of magic way, uh, they believed in hurting people. Mm. Dale Del- Del- Zora, Del- and uh, I've forgotten that most renowned witch there ever been, I don't know where she was, black mixed, uh, Cajun or Creole, uh, was uh, <laughs> Marie folk. Mm. He
0: was you were know, down in Louisiana, you know. Yeah, I know a lot about Louisiana. <laughs> so let me ask you: was, was is that was, was is that part of the 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 hanging tree project, or is this just different aspects of your journey uh, as as a black southerner?
1: Well, that's a, that's uh. All that's in the journey as if you're passing buildings and stuff, passing these points in life, you know. And somewhere down the line, somebody come back to you to help you and that don't. Now, the bad stuff, I try to put that aside, but uh, somebody to come back and embellish what you're trying to do or know or thinking about, and that's the way it works. It's something spiritually.
0: And would you? So, do you believe the the supernatural in regards to um, God or black magic is is what you're you're experiencing when you were creating these instruments from this tree? I think it was some of both. called off. Uh, it came
1: back to me. What happened when uh, the snake incidents in in the. Uh, in the Bible, that old old elder person preached about that time that uh, everything God does, Satan, he mimics his soul, and God gives him the privilege to do it. So he uh, referred to an incident of Simon's Magus and somebody else that uh, done some snake stuff and then. Uh, the, uh, God, man, snake, it, the, uh, it, Satan, man, snakes up and stuff. So Simon Max was going to fly. So he went up high enough and then uh, Satan let him alone and he fell down and died. But uh, I always look at it as some good and some bad. I try to stay away from the bad cause, you know, there ain't no turning back once you stop breathing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do you think uh, you were led by a spirit or the spirit to that particular wood, because it's not You know, you hear the, you hear this tone, then you go to, to get some wood, and and you're led to a specific wood, and then you're finding out these stories, and it's all kind of. Uh, uh, um, Wrapped around supernatural and, and and sacrifice, right? Because lynchings are, are, are ritualistic sacrifices of black bodies. So, do you, do you think this you were led to that for a purpose?
1: I believe all in it, some way or another, way before I even thought about you know other things and everything. I think all in it were linked together. It just, I just hadn't got to that link in the chain of events. And all of it was, was sitting right that way. Cause better is on me, and I spoke them kicked bucket a long time ago. Mm. But uh, they are all of it linked up. And like I said this morning, the link, another link came in the chain, but I don't even know where my tail came or not. Cause man, he get excited and he'll be looking for them folks.
0: Well, so let me ask you because in your um, in in the research I did about you, it's Suggested that you're a spiritual philosopher, which we're getting a piece of that. Um, Did someone give you that moniker, that title? Did you say I am a spiritual philosopher or just based on how you express and receive information? uh, This is uh, people just understood that that's who you are.
1: I think more or less it's, it's people understood that she called off. A lot of stuff I don't know how I know because uh, I, only, <clears throat> I only have a third grade education. I learned how to read and write in the penitentiary. Mm. Uh, after three years of, well, not three years, off and on in the school, see, my mother, she had a little problem. She wanted to be Honest John, house housewoman. I didn't feel playing music with a dress on and the boy, man, they just made a fool at me laughing at me. Young go, Miss Avery. look at her. She she be she be doing what the best she could so we could have somewhere to live and somewhere to eat a little stuff. But uh I think spiritually something else happened to me. I I I have no idea. But if some things come to me, I don't enough. Like uh, a whole lot of them folks, Ross Putin and uh, Madame Babotsky and them, those are witches and warlocks that the people did, they forgot about. The only reason I know about them is uh, they have to go get some old books. Like, uh, how did I know that Kendall wrote a Bible and everything? Mm. How did I know about all? I don't know how I know it.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, on, on a plantation that you came up on, The two questions I would like for you to answer is, one, were you playing blues and instruments then? And two, were you you aware of the spiritual element and the the black magic that surrounded the town?
1: Well, that's the strangest thing in the world. He he had to have been a demon. There was no white guy over there. All the time, every time you saw him, he had a shotgun or a fishing pole. He was either hunting or fishing. He had a little farm down there, he ran it out. And one day he come by there, he said, boy, I said, come in and talk my damn fishing pole for me. I'm going to the store. I was scared to not do it, scared to do it. So, hung out with him, went to the store, had some jawbone breaking and drunk, 16-ounce double colas I was have as hell then. <laughs> but on the way back home, <laughs> I know what was going to happen. So, once she was coming to met us, coming down from Midway House, she said to where you been, boy? Did I tell you to go anywhere? Oh, he'd been, no the old, the old white man, I think he got by drunk then. Oh, he'd been out down to the store with me. When he went on down the road and went on to the house, she said, You know what? She said, That white man go get you killed. She said, But I'm going to kill you before he
0: does.
1: <laughs> he went, out ran there, got the yard broom and took a damn dog with a switch out now. Mm. Here, that man come again before that wiggle go. And then by and by, he went to that old where they had back there. Oh, it was made out of, nothing. I read logs and stuff. I have no idea now, I was scared to go in there. But anyway, he went in there and he got an old guitar. He played, yelled, Teddy, this and that right there. I said, let me play something. He said, no, nah, you ain't ready yet. So by and by, he taught me a tune called Wildwood Flower. I went to the shot house down there playing Wildwood Flower. Me and folks were laying out on the floor beating the floor. <laughs> they said, look at that song of good that playing hillbilly. He <laughs> was blue men now. I'm talking blue men that went in the northern states and became uh, semi-famous. Mm. So I kept right on and on. I'm getting some age on me. Then I have to take the hoop and in. And uh, he said, if you ever able to learn how to play that Wildwood Flower, he said, you'll be all right. So finally, I learned how to play. I was sitting over there Miss Mr. John Mayhouse and uh, everybody eating and drinking. You drinking, boy, I said, no, nah, he ain't never drinking that. By and by, I listened at that song where y'all, uh, was a uh, stoop down, baby, stoop down and let your daddy see. And I was uh, listening at that song and comparing it with Wildwood Flower, except the Wildwood Flower was slowed down and started off in a minor key instead of a major key. Mm. <clears throat> I said, I can play that right there. he called. So you can't play nothing, boy, hillbilly the stuff. Then we get up. We will whoop his ass if he get in here playing what Word to say. The woman started singing the song by stoop Down Baby, messed up three or four times. She said, Got one more time, boy. With mm. stuff and everything flying right in my face, talking right in my eyes. She said, She started off getting stooped down, baby, stooped down and let your daddy see. I got it right that time. I had it all right. That's why I started feeling good playing the music, man. And good God Almighty, from then on, it was on. And I was set out there, and uh, I said to myself, I'm going to sneak up there and steal that guitar. So now you do that, so you see what they done to Mr. Black down the road down there. But by and by, I had it. And all the stuff that I added on, took away, and embellished. Well, from that same song that man learned me about the wildwood flower. Mm. All the chords and everything in there, you just had to rearrange them to fit what the folks doing. My sister went to the top on gospel music off of my, off of that same, they don't know it. Though. That same song where I showed the guitar player. Mm. Same thing, same music were embellishing me with them, the divine sister.
0: So, Oh, wow. Okay, so let me ask. How long have you been making your own guitars?
1: Good God. I talked to my daughter about that because one year I snapped a little bit and a little wine problem. I had to go up yonder and get my brain straight. She said it had to be about 50. She's 54. um, I think she's 54 years old. She claims she's 33. (laughs) But uh, she said that uh, it had to be around 50 or 51 years.
0: Mm. So now this is interesting. Who taught you how to make your own instruments or you know what what inspired that?
1: Well, I wanted to get Toddin, but uh see deep in a day when uh, around him, uh, if a man having to buy a stellar with a warped neck under a beat up, you know, something the white guy didn't want to buy and everything, man, he was a happy camper. And mm. uh I just kept realizing I believe I can make one, but it, it wasn't easy as I thought it would to put some strings on a piece of wood, you know, and getting it without a pickup. So out of a while, folks started to uh, show several tones and several guitars, stuff like that. I right did to get a guitar done, and you could take the pickups and the controls off, and I could put them on me blocks of wood like I wanted to. Everything all right, but, you know. And that's the way it started so. In the years past, I got to the place I learned a little more about it. But I still uh, was not the blue man like Mud said that time we were up in Chicago, me and Cesar had. He said, you're pretty good, but you'll never make it. He said, the only man gonna make it, hand that microphone. He said, you get hand that microphone, he said, you better off. And at that time I thought about it, he was right. Because the musician then that went, the blue musician that played for the blue men went and go, went and go. You know,
0: he know who they were. A whole lot of them. Mm. Mm. So he was telling you that you gotta sing too? Well, now you got
1: to at this time, this has been quite a while ago now. Uh you had to expose yourself so somebody would know who you were. You take Jimmy Reed, he was in front of Mike. Muddy Waters, he was in front of the mic. John Lee Hooker, he was in front of the mic. Byron Ray, she was in front of Mike. mic. Chuck Barry, he was in front of the microphone. never even know who the backup men was who had played for Chuck Berry. Cause they, they, they just won't stop him. All they were looking at was him doing the duck, walk and singing. <laughs> and like the gospel groups. The reason they expose their musicians and everything and all like that, they want folks to know who he is and who doing what's what.
0: Mm, mm. So, did you grow up in church?
1: I went to church and a few beatings about that too. Cause more claimed on. All. I forgot how she said it, but anyway, you had to go to church. The girls had to go They Specifically, had to go. Mm. Man, she get them one the day right down the dirt road. We walked in church. More snapped one over in the woods and beat the hell out of it. <laughs> I mean, the girls—they had to go. So then he started singing in the choir and everything, and the old man, he got sober long never heard about it. He said, uh, y'all making fools of yourself Nobody ever know that he sung in a group. Mm. Nobody ever know But anyway, he took them and taught them the alto uh, soprano, that good John Brown harmony. He came out there, he taught them. He knew what music was supposed to sound like. But anyway, they went on and did a gospel music, and, Use the name of the Vine Sisters. and they've been to a, they've been all over the John Brown Gospel Circle. They sung with everybody on everybody on the Gospel Circle. Mm. They special guests for the blind boys of Mississippi, Blind Boys of Alabama, special guests out in Tyler, Texas, Willie Neal Johnson. They've been around there.
0: So do you um did you, did your father pursue it? Uh, professionally, it sounds like he did. He was in a group.
1: Yeah, he was in a group, say,
0: but uh,
1: my, my dad and his brothers, they love what they call sweet lucid, which was wine. And they found out they'd be in church drinking and stuff and this was after then that I heard about that. They'd yeah, be in there taking a sip and smell like wine and stuff and folks thought they didn't have music then. They mm. sung harmony. And uh I can't think of uh, who they, their favorite group was could have been not true, but anyway, somebody told me. Yeah, they did it, they tried to do it, and everything. I tell you one song they sung uh that was a beautiful song, and I can't see why they didn't pursue that because the uh, mill brothers had already recorded the song with Paper Dog. Mm. You know, the uh, him, Uncle yes, Book, my daddy, Uncle Buck, Uncle Baby, and Uncle Vincent. They had the harmony just like the mill, brother. I'm gonna buy a paper daughter, I can call
0: my own. So, sound. Well, it, it sounds like music is generational in your family. Yeah,
1: it was. And, uh, but like I said, them guys, man, uh, all of them, every one of them died from a uh Here's uh, what wine do to your liver. They didn't live long. Mm. I don't think they made it to 70, but Uncle L and uh, how he did it, I don't know. Cause you know, there was a mixed group there. There was some of them too white to be black and too black to be white. Mm. And some of them were black enough to be black. So Mm. nobody knows what was going on cause you couldn't ask old people no questions then. When you got old enough to ask them, they were dead. Cause my grandmother, you know, she was white. Was she? Yeah.
0: Hmm, so you come from a mixed background. How was that on a plantation life?
1: Well, see they took grandma and Flo in. Uh, she wasn't African. She came from that place over there where the people was uh, real light brown. Uh, they captured them and brought them over here with the African stuff. So old master, he saw her and she looked pretty good to him and put her in the house. She was a housewoman of up there having children and uh, you know that uh, the old mistress had to know that that man was getting them cherry because she won't go nowhere. They had, she stayed in the slave quarters like that. Mm. Unless the woman was a pure fool. They coming out in there with it like all. Uh, my sister went back in the generation so bad, man. Got scared. We moved away away from all way we were then to another, didn't even have sense to move out of the country. Mm. Just trading houses. Off. Bay, see, when bail Bone she was a blonde. Her mm. hair was blonde and straight. And folks were talking about more like a dog. I took a whole lot of ass whoopings on kind of trying to defend that more dealing with them white guys around there.
0: Mm. Mm. Man, so... What brought on this particular project? We're coming back to the project for a moment because you have such a a, a rich uh, life history. But I want to get back to the project for a moment. What what inspired you to actually make this a record in a book? The the, the the book
1: was so somebody will know what's going on about these y'all. And this right here with the book and the wood for the guitar, everything that was, uh, I've seen to prove that it was true by the tree, just making the instruments out of the tree saying, yo, a dude hung on a tree, man. I figured that wasn't good enough. The people had to have substantial evidence that were interested enough to say, yeah, this guitar here came off from that tree that uh, the man was hung on. They could so, look back and say, yes, yeah, so it's it's true that that happened and everything. And uh instead of being a liar out there trying to make people feel sorry for me, or you know, stuff like that.
0: Right, trying to condescend you, but you know what's going on.
1: Right, and they'll know too, cause all they got to do is get on their thing and uh and, and find out what the deal is, and they'll find out it's true. I ain't never like to be a liar. The warden told me he said the two kind of men don't survive in here. A fagger and a liar. Mm. That's what he said. I walked through the door. I told a whole lot of black eyes, bloody nose, and swole heads, but I can't. I went in there, boy. I came out a man straight.
0: All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um where where did you serve the time and were you able to play any music in there?
1: Yeah, they gave you all First, I went to Atlanta, Georgia, and I did a little something in there, and then for orientation and admission to another uh, penitentiary, that was a kind of a rough day from uh, there, from, from Atlanta, Georgia, went to Tallahassee for overtaking and admission, and from there to Rayford, Florida, down there in that rough place, and uh, that's where I did the rest of the time at, but uh, it was my own fault, because. All I had done was snitch on the guys and I know not to do that. Mm. I see in a prison like Atlanta, Georgia and everything, you snitch on somebody, you throw them, they'll walk right behind you, stick a knife right in your back. Keep your mm. mouth shut, tote the damn whoopings, and, and uh, try to live with it. I see what the guy had done to the guy. I looked right at him, I was laying down on the bottom of the bunk, but I pretended I was asleep. Mm. And they knew that I know what had happened because, see, this guy was on the top bunk. They made the roll call the next morning, and he didn't get up. And uh, after everything, they went in there and did this and that They said, so 23 5 6, 7, go to the warden's office. I knew they were going to do it. But I won't bite the John Brown getting in there and tell nothing on nobody. I didn't know why it, what happened to him. And I just went on dumb time and left.
0: Mm. So I know you got a good few blues songs out of those uh, experiences.
1: Yeah, I've done some blues and, and stuff and uh, all, but it never managed to nothing because you take uh, bad situations, then. Uh, well, and then you got to be poetic to make stuff rhyme and stuff. So you find out that just because you've got a few words to put on something that don't work. Don't people write them songs, they know how to make them rhyme. They know how to uh, long it's supposed to be for you change tunes and stuff. There's a little more to writing a song than people think of it.
0: Hmm. So considering your musical background, um, did, were you taught songwriting from from either your family or the gentleman that taught you how to play guitar?
1: No, uh, my sister folks said she was gifted. Sis, well, she ain't got no sense now because she had a stroke. <clears throat> sis, Bay and bea. they uh, they wrote a lot of songs. Someone on they playing on the radio uh, wrote like "Road and Ready" and uh. Boo boo! She wrote that song, and uh, a whole lot of them they playing. Now other folks singing and this and that right there. But I know the song because I' hearing them messing with them on the front porch and out of the yard and stuff. But it don't do no good if you ain't got your work in order. They uh, well, you can't do nothing. To, you can't stop them by from singing the song they like.
0: Right, right. You could just hopefully.
1: Know, uh, nobody showing me how to write now. I'm gonna call. It. It would just come to me and everything, and then and I get to play it, I couldn't make it rhyme, and it just won't write. There's just something to it. You got to know that I don't know.
0: So you mentioned when you were giving us your family history and how it became uh, multiracial. Uh, excuse me, multi, a multi uh, a I don't think I said the word right, but a uh, multi-racial, uh, there it is, um, that on the plantation. So your family has been on our plantation since the slave days.
1: Probably had, but uh, you see, uh, I imagine they had called C.R. It began that, uh, I, and this is strange to me. Now on my daddy's side, his great-grandmother, maybe grandmother, yeah, great-grandmother, grandmother Florene, she was a housewoman. Now, on my mother's side, her daddy was a houseman. Mm. He done the cooking, the washing, and uh, now this is before he got married. This is before he got married, when he was a boy, and I read they had just uh, freedom, or maybe they hadn't freedom, because he worked at that Mr. Norville's house at the... Uh, I forget what they called the boys then, where you know, wash the clothes, pump the wash pot, and stuff the sausage. And they had certain tasks that they would have a man kind of hang around his family to do. And Paul, he done that right there. He learned a few skills and stuff. But uh, that's what was odd about it. Uh, he was a house boy, I named in that myself. Mm. And Grandmammy uh, Flo, in with a house woman. I don't think she never worked in the
0: field. Mm. But her charity, isn't it? Okay. Okay. Uh, we, have you we have you ever worked in the field? Man, did I?
1: <laughs> Lord, how much cause cost- it old man by him being never quite with his, uh, they call it curly hair and <clears throat> women claim he was pretty. He didn't think he had to work. So they go rent farms and stuff and then more, this was I got old enough to know what work was. More she would uh. Do all that right there. And in order for people to not say she was a fool, she would hide the fact that he didn't want to work. Mm. So, dear, me and her have been out there in the field, man, breaking comb when your hands were numb. I said, "More," I said, Don't ask me nothing about that, man. She said, Do my hooks. That was her favorite word.
0: Mm. So, yeah. How how does it how 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 do you feel growing up around this, understanding uh uh, uh the the plantation life, Jim Crow and how black folk is treated and then In this day and age, which a lot of people believe is so far removed, but as you and I are discussing now, is not as quite as far removed as a lot of people portray. How do you feel when you're seeing all all of these, you know, the Black Lives Matter, uh, black folk being killed in the street, whether it's by each other or the cops, all these things that you're seeing, uh, in today's world knowing that it's not so far removed from how you was raised
1: but the thing about it is it ain't removed at all none at all all it has done they have blinded the black man to that and uh, that's why he kills each other and everything and then he get out there and make a few fool on himself to uh, march up and down the streets and stuff the first thing you got to do <coughs> if you take care of a problem I learned this from Malcolm X. If you take care of a problem, you got to go where the problem at. You can't. The man sitting over yonder, way over yonder somewhere, and you way over him burning up stuff, ain't having the problem. you got to go where the problem at. Mm. You work better to solve it. But you cannot solve a problem. I can't solve that problem now with you, where you at, and I'm here burning down these folks' souls and stuff and hooting my and down the street. It don't make sense. And killing each other like that right there, and then getting on TV, claiming they love each other so good because the policeman shot one. Oh Lord, I love him. He was a nice guy. They get out there and kill one the next night and everything. Oh, you know, a uh, John shot Joe and other night. shoot, I've been looking for that. He mm. ain't no different. The man see a dead. But if you got a problem, a racial problem, go where be it begun at. Burning down stones and stuff ain't solving
0: no problem, and it ain't making it no better. No.: So I have to ask you this, again, considering that you come from the cloth with first-hand information, not six seven-hand information that a lot of um, people like to toss around. What do you feel about this statement? There's no black, there's no white, there's just blues. Does that um, remove the 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 black history and struggle from the black expression?
1: No, cause uh, there ain't no blues. See, the reason they know, the reason the person say that. It because they ain't never suffering no bad consequence. Hey, you right now. I noticed you chunked a little blues stuff in there in your background a while ago. You know what blues is. I do, sir. If a man playing blues, you got that blues feeling. If he clowning out there with some of the rock you claim he playing the blues, you can say he ain't playing no blues. Cause number one, a blues man, he plays alone. And what he doing is himself. <laughs> He's expressing himself when he's saying the blues. Like uh, a whole hey big boss man. Jimmy Reed really, he meant what he was saying. Blues, and, and a lot of that stuff they call blues ain't blues. Mm. The guy down south down there, when I went through there on that uh, minute chilling, circuit, dumb John Brown, those are hard blues men. They played in what down there, what they call juke joints. Up here they call them shot houses. And them guys get in there, and I'm talking, they were serious. The ladies that sung and the men that played, they were serious.
0: Mm.
1: One man could take an instrument and play all his music. Now you got to have a whole band to play. So I look at it as, as not being blue. Them guys were, were saying and playing their life.
0: What they had experienced, what they've been treated. Well- I, this may be a little redundant because you just answered it, but I would kind of like to ask it to you specifically. What is the blues? The blues to me,
1: like, say, so for instance, you are. To me now, my experience, you go somewhere, everybody melancholy and everything, here come a man with an old guitar. He start playing a little something. Now, you already said it done worked all the week, got about 10 cents in your pocket, and nothing, everybody in there supposed to be having fun, and nothing, and here comes the old blue man. And he talking a bit and everything, brings a little joy, get to drinking, doing this and that right there, and out of a while, you sure enough got the blue. You start thinking about all the bad things happened to you, and the bad things been done to you, you couldn't do nothing about it. It's a bad situation to be in. A blues man really ain't got no lifestyle. He's not a happy person. Mm. And the guitar makes it even worse because sometimes you find a man that really hooked up in them daggone blues, he make that instrument and everybody express himself. The way I've seen it, oh, yonder to uh, Johnny May's house. It was different in different places. We went a guy playing little gospel, give a little extra guitar, doing this and that right there. But a real blue man,
0: he is a blue man. Mm. See? I hear that well. Now, with with a lot of the the things you've made with the, well, let me rephrase that. Besides guitars, what else have you made from this wood? Okay.
1: I had a piece of, I reckon it was two before, laying on the porch. Man came by, and there was a knot on that. And I did, I was, was going to throw the wood away till he asked for it. On the surface. And then all of a sudden, I, I was sitting there, in the had lift, and I got my wooden mallet and beating a knot. I felt the bottom part of my shoe. I kept beating it. Here coming All i done was glued it together like that. And there was a shoe, even had little knots where it looked like strange stuff. I couldn't understand it. I mean, I had to get out of that and get that stuff away from me. <laughs> you know, I just never understood how the knot came out. Well, it was an oblong knot now. Oblong knot shaped like that. And then some mold that went on top of it. But when I got it glued together and took the brush and brushed off all the debris and stuff, it was shaped just like a shoe, mm. and you can look right at it and tell it ain't been whittled and carved. It came out in that block of wood like that.
0: So, in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In some cases, you don't set out to make something specific, but yet again, you just follow where the spirit is taking you. You've got it right
1: there. I I, I couldn't explain it not a bit better. Follow it where the spirit takes. Cause you ain't got no choice when you're working with hand tools and stuff. Cause you can't take advantage of it like they do with the, uh, the computer ride machine now. Like I said, that saw, it do funny things, but nobody don't believe it in their experiences. But uh, once you ever start to looking at what they have done, it really don't make you do it. It's just that it seems like it travel on itself. It's hard to explain. I invited people to come and uh, experience that on that wood, but nobody never came.
0: So you asked people to, to come, and are we talking about the lynching tree wood or just any wood? The lynching tree wood. Mm. So wanted, you, you, was, asked, you asked people to come take part in trying to make something out of it, but they, they were a little scared.
1: They didn't want nothing to do with it. Mm. They
0: didn't
1: want nothing to do with it because of as you said a while ago, spiritually, I probably led to the wood and didn't know it, never accepted it, and uh, just wanted to do it my way, and it didn't work that way. It wasn't intended to be that way. And the book of life, but it was the way it's supposed to be, and that's the way it was.
0: No, I, I I hear you, man. And I mean, I'm I'm really honored that we spent this time. Uh I wanna ask you what what besides um the story and the actual uh instruments and things that you've made. What else do you want people to receive from this project? Black, white, everybody?
1: I want everybody to grasp some out that uh musically are uh, just looking at the designs that were in the wood and uh I really are. Uh, when I went down to the museum to look at it, it was a totally different feeling than hard to explain because I ain't figured out what kind of feeling it was yet. But there's something about that wood that complements music, sadness, and everything. I mean, it's hard to explain how it is, Carl. but uh, that's the way it is. But the other wood and everything, it's got some nice guitars and stuff, but that, that, that's some strange wood. If you ever get a chance to come down and all, uh, and mess with one on them, you gonna find that.
0: No, I, I, I definitely am very interested, but I'm coming with with, with the Most High. <laughs> As they say, the, uh, the prayer warriors.
1: <laughs> I don't think there's nothing. Okay, nothing uh, uh, about witchcraft in the wood and everything. Uh, but uh, then you never know. Cause, uh, there was a lot of demonized people down there, you know, participating in that killing. Exactly. It was a man that died down there. It mm. wasn't an animal. It was a man. Some way or another, I think spiritually, I won't plan on saying about that. I think spiritually he wanted somebody to know that he had did that. Mm. He said he begged for his life real pitiful and everything and uh, after he uh, had to do what he did, said said uh, he, uh, one of the men wanted to said, "Let's dig him up and see that he have gonorrhea." Mm. They wouldn't do that, all right. I don't think they'll find out where he buried
0: the There's so many stories to unpack from this wood, and and I mean, it folks, you need to look into this one and two. Uh, I guess I need to ask you, is there going to be a follow-up book if they, f- if they find the body and all these other things?
1: I imagine they will. You know, it, it depends on how I be inspired.
0: Right, again, being led by the spirit. Led by the spirit, you got it now. I hear you. Well, Mr. Vines, I, I appreciate your time, sir. And uh, I, I do plan on speaking to you again real soon. I sure hope you do <laughs> I do I thank you sir and for you for those of you who are unfamiliar with this project, the description and links will be in the description box. so, as you know what we do here, we celebrate heritage, preserve heritage. And we talk about the blues and we talk about African-American folklore, ethnography and ethnomusicology. And you've just been blessed with all of the above. So now you see and hear that all these things are related and you got it directly from a first hand source. Thank you all much. Uh, Thank you.